the voice of Motown, West Virginia's leader in news, analysis, and rumors, proudly presents the Voice of Motown podcast, featuring your boys, Brandon and Tyler. Take it away, gentlemen. All right. This is the Voice of Motown podcast. I'm Tyler Pepe. And I'm Brandon Cork, and this is the WVU Sports Podcast by two suffering WVU fans. All right. Thanks for joining us today. If you guys want to follow us on social media, just look for the Voice of Motown podcast. Leave a comment. We love interacting with all the listeners. And for this episode, we have a very special guest from Big Game Boomer. We are joined by John Whitaker. John, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, what's happening, fellas? How y'all doing? Very good. Very good. Very happy that you can join the show with yeah. us today. And excited for uh, the chat. Yeah, no, thanks yeah. for having me on. All right. Hey, John, um, obviously you're an Oklahoma alum. So I was just wondering, what years were you there? Were you there for the Bob Stoops era? Yeah, so I graduated in 2014. So right before uh, Baker Mayfield kind of came on the scene, um, I was there kind of during the Landry Jones uh, years, which were a little disappointing. But uh, but yeah, no, right right when uh, you guys started, when West Virginia came into the Big Twelve was, uh, I, I yeah that that was uh, what 2012, 2013. I think y'all came in. Yep, 2012. Um, yeah, yeah, I was there for the first home game when you guys came came into Norman. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, a WVU alum. I graduated there in 2011, and uh, right at the end, um, my freshman year when I was there was the 13-9 pit game, which that's all I'm going to talk about for right now because I'm still traumatized. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you you have such a big following. You're viral all the time, it seems like, um, whether for good or bad, because of your lists. How did yeah. you get started on that? Man, it's crazy. It's, uh, you know, I, I didn't use Twitter at all. Um, until like 2020 of last year around like Thanksgiving or so two years ago almost. And I just got online, was just kind of started just chatting with or, you know, tweeting it about sports stuff. Before you know it, I started getting in arguments with like famous people like Desmond Howard and like Kirk Herbstreit retweeted one of my tweets. And like, I was like, whoa, this is pretty cool having this kind of exposure to these kind of famous people. So I just started cranking out these lists, uh, I guess, early of 2021 uh, when the season was over. Um, just because, you know, people like to argue and there's so much garbage on Twitter. Um, and I don't get into politics or anything, but like, I don't I do not do that. So I was like, well, let's argue about sports. So, you know, I just started making these lists and I mean, <laughs> you guys see them, they just go crazy. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's fun. It's it's fun because it just it gets fans from all over the country engaging and arguing with each other, and um, that's my favorite thing about it. Is it just kind of it's a kind of a hub for college sports now? It seems like. Yeah, and everyone has an opinion, um, and I like your list because you don't always just do players or teams, but you, I mean, you throw in mascots, you throw in restaurants oh, yeah. and college towns, so. Absolutely. So we were wondering, like, how much research goes into that? Because not unless you are just constantly traveling, there's no way you've been to all these college towns. Yeah, no. So I have a huge network of fans from from the East Coast to the West Coast. So I get their input. I haven't been to every college town. Um, so 
like for restaurants, for, for instance, uh, I, th- I think I put picked uh, Mario's uh, Fish Bowl uh, for West Virginia. And uh, I've heard great things about that. My brother actually went to West Virginia for about for a year. Um, so I had some good input from him. Um, but yeah, but then with like ranking like players and uh, coaches, I, I tend to go off, you know, stats and uh, past awards or where they're going to get drafted in the NFL draft. Um, I try to be pretty serious with those, but with the food stuff and the, you know, other stuff, it, it's, it's just fun. I mean, I take my best shot at it and just put it on the internet and it just goes crazy. <laughs> it's interesting yeah, I, that uh, your brother yeah, went to WVU for one year. It seems to be kind of a, um, a lot of people do that just for the experience. Well, he itself. played football. He was a preferred really? walk-on. Yeah. At, uh, at West Virginia. Yeah. For a year and then transferred to a uh, smaller school. He's a quarterback named oh, James really? Whitaker. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so he was there during during the Holgerson era. That is he, awesome. Uh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, not a lot of people do. So that's uh, new information that's out there. <laughs> there you go. So we were asking about your rankings because, um, you know, as a West Virginia fan, one of them was really making us scratch our head entering last season, the 2021 season, and then entering this one coming up, 2022. You have Jordan White as a top 50 offensive guard. And uh, Jordan only played in four games last year, and a lot of people aren't even sure if he'll start this year. So, I mean, most people are predicting, like, uh, Gamitter or Nestor starting at guard. So, um, you know, what do you know about Jordan White that we don't? We hope he turns well, out to be a stud, but yeah, I was just kind of going through um, some some depth, depth chart predictions. Um, I saw him at guard on, on something, so... I just plugged him in there. Uh, you know, I, it probably wasn't right, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it is what it is. Got people talking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, no hate on our end. I mean, it, it it's got to be hard to know about every single team. You know, there's so this many. This year, yeah. Th- this time of year, when I do these rankings, it's hard because like the depth chart changes like so much, and especially on the offensive line, like guys are switching from guard to tackle or moving to center. Um, so it is it, – I would say, like, getting the offensive line and defensive line and linebackers is difficult because those guys do switch up a lot. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you have a genius business model because, you know, you're going to get a reaction out of fans, whether it's positive or negative. And so no matter what, you're getting engagement – and really, yeah. that's what it all comes down to on social media. It doesn't matter if they like what you put or don't like it, as long as they're commenting and, and sharing it, right? Yeah. Well, it's like like last year, like I was really high on West Virginia. I think I picked them finishing like fourth in the conference in the Big 12 last year. Um, thought they were going to have a really good year. They obviously didn't. So this year, my kind of observation, my predictions for them have not been as favorable so I feel like I have been catching – people think I – you know, your fan base thinks I just hate West Virginia. And I don't. I do not hate West Virginia. I have no problem with West Virginia. I'm just a little pessimistic on the Neil Brown era right now. And that could change. That could change if, if they have a great year this year. I'll come back on this show and tell you, hey, I was wrong. But uh, they got to prove it to me this year. Do you feel like you get more engagement from WVU fans now that – 
you're ranking them lower than you did whenever you had them a little bit higher? See, I don't know, because like back back last year, you know, I was pretty high on them and, and you guys have a pretty solid fan base on social media and they were all, you know, oh, heck, heck yeah. You're like, yeah, let's go. Let's let's get this thing going. And now I'm just I'm getting emails or, or DMs like, why do you hate us so much? Like, you're a hater. <laughs> I'm just like. Yeah, I'm just, I just, I look at the roster and look at, look what you guys have going on. And, you know, it, it's tough to see you guys having a successful year. And we can talk about that, obviously. Oh, yeah. And our, our fan base is very passionate and sometimes in um, not the best way either. I know there's been players and other journalists that have come out and been like, you know, they're taking it a little bit over the edge. Um, and I think part of that comes with just, I mean, WVU is, the professional sports team in West Virginia. So we treat it like we would like Pittsburgh treats the Steelers or Baltimore treats, you know, the Ravens or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting and unique and it's, it makes it fun though. And so oh, I, I love the passion. I mean, West Virginia nation, just keep bringing it. Well, I mean, let's go. <laughs> oh, for sure. And the one thing too, I love that. Um, uh, I feel like the big 12 has been a great place for us. And I know you, you guys are leaving us soon, unfortunately, but yeah, so um, Whenever we were, <laughs> whenever we were um, in the Big East, you know, you had all those rivalries, but there was some people who would take it across the line a little bit too much from both sides. Like when you had Pitt and BT and Syracuse and all those teams in town, um, just those rivalries, you'd get those battles. But I feel like when we have Big Twelve fans come up uh, to Morgantown, um, Tyler and I go to a lot of games, and it's just great. The, the Oklahoma fans have been great. Yeah, um, I remember the. Holgerson game against um, Oklahoma when you guys had Kyler Murray. The Friday night game? On. Yeah. yeah. Whenever yeah. we uh, – uh, I was ragging on Kyler Murray the whole time about him. He should go back to baseball and all that stuff, and we had Oklahoma fans behind us. And <laughs> they were the best. It was great. Uh, yeah, yeah. can dish it. Yeah, maybe we can bond over this. The only bad experience with a Big 12 team I've had fan-wise is Texas. <laughs> yeah, I can feel that. For sure. Not a fan. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been down in the Cotton Bowl uh, when when OU has lost to Texas, and it's not fun. Um, when, when you're beating Texas, the fans, like, empty out at halftime. But, man, if, if they win, if they win the Red River rivalry, like, I'm telling you, it is ugly. Those fans are just throwing stuff at you and in the, in the fair, and everyone's just wasted uh, in that – fair down there um just the, all the beer that is consumed on there is just insane um so yeah i can i can agree texas fans uh not high on my list yeah i mean uh i've had season tickets with my dad and friends since i was a kid and i've seen west virginia fans you know they can be hard to visit her sometimes so as an adult i always try to be engaging and like hey texas fan you know good luck today i hope you enjoy yourself here Normally, everyone in the Big 12, they're like, oh, thank you. You know, we talk for a little bit. Anytime I approach a Texas fan, they're always just like, we don't need luck today. We're going to stomp you. It's like, really? Yeah. And uh, they're irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. Texas fans are a little snooty if you haven't caught on to that yet. Yeah, I get it's, that vibe. Yeah. <laughs> um, the horns hey, penalty was, is the most ridiculous rule in, in college sports. I the like horns down penalty? penalty? Oh, it's ridiculous. It's soft. I mean, it's just, I guarantee that will not be a penalty when they join the SEC. Greg saying is going to be like, heck no. Like, you guys are on your own. Like, we're not catering to you like they do in the Big 12. Um, 
Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So since, yeah. since it's been mentioned, you guys leaving the Big 12 to go into the SEC, how do you feel about that as a fan? Um, you know, I'm looking forward to it, honestly. Um, you know, they've been saying, uh, you know, they could go next year, but I, I think that OU and Texas will not leave until 2025. I don't think OU uh, specifically can afford the buyout. I think it's it's exciting. Um, you know, it, it just, I think it really depends on if the college football playoff expands to um, to 12 teams or not, because if, if it stays at four and you move to the SEC, then it's going to look kind of stupid that you made that choice because you've got a path basically every year in the Big 12. So we'll see what that does. But the money that you're getting from the TV payouts is, is insane uh, compared to other conferences. I think the teams are going to be making like 90 million a year in, wow. the t- in TV deal and TV money. And I, I think right now the payout in the Big 12 is like 35 million. So, I mean, just think about what that does for not only football, but all the other facilities and sports. Um, and it's going to be huge. So, yeah, well, what, we'll see. What do you think about the SEC kind of expanding as aggress- aggressively as it had? Do you think it's good for college football or, or do you have any kind of worries about? What's going to happen with some of these other conferences? I think it's bad for college football, the, the expansion. Um, I mean, I'm old school. I like traditional rivalries. I, I hate the, you know, the uncertainty of not being able to play Oklahoma State every year because um, that, that's uncertain uh, once we go to the SEC. So, you know, I, I think we're headed in a, in a direction where I think there is going to be more expansion. Um, it's just, uh, I, I think w- you will wait and see probably until the college football playoff once that, if that expands or not, um, I'd love this. And I've said this for years. I would love to see West Virginia in the ACC. Um, be, and I know they always say, oh, well, West Virginia doesn't have the academic standards to get in the ACC. That's a bunch of crap. If you look at Louisville, Louisville is not that great of an academic institution, and they're in the ACC. So if Louisville can be in the ACC, then damn well West Virginia can be in the ACC. So um, I think it'd be a great fit for you guys, just talking about expansion. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, also with some of the um, academic issues that the ACC teams have had, like UNC scandal with their basketball players. Oh, yeah. And the fake degrees. Like, they're still in the ACC. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm 100% with you, John. I mean, don't get me wrong. Big 12 has been a good conference, and I like being in it. But it just doesn't compare to playing Pitt every year yeah. or Virginia Tech and all those old rivals. I feel like in the Big 12, we don't really have a rival. I mean, no. I enjoy playing those teams, but I don't get, like, fired up to play any of them except maybe Texas and Oklahoma, and that's just because they're big-name schools. They're Like, I don't see them as a rival, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I don't think. Yeah, if I had to say who y'all's rival would be in the Big Twelve, I would say Texas, just because y'all have had some crazy games uh, with them. There's been some awesome finishes. Um, but yeah, that yeah, I, I agree with you. I like seeing you guys play Pitt, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Maryland. I like seeing you guys play those schools because those are your more traditional rivalries. Yeah, I'm with you, man. And your um, travel bill is also a lot cheaper. 
Um, yeah. You're not kidding. And, and I know it gets overstated a lot, like in our circles, but that travel has to catch up with the players, especially basketball, where you're playing multiple games a week. That yeah. can't be easy. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's got to be a pain in the rear for those guys. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, so, I mean, going back to your list, what topics would you say gets the fans most fired up? What gets them, you know, engaged more than anything else? Um, God, man, it's just crazy because it seems like all of them do now. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll do like tier list, um, like tiers for the upcoming season. Or, you know, when I rank players, I'll do like top 50 best players by position. That gets like players and coaches and official accounts retweet those. Um, I did one a couple days ago. I was like the most passionate and least passionate fan bases in every sport. That those tend to blow up. Um, and during the season, I do uh, student sections. I, ra- I rank student sections, and that's kind of that's funny how that happened. Like these college students send me pictures and videos of student sections, like from across the whole country. So I'm like at home or at a game, like just get my phone. So like on Sunday, I'm kind of like grading the student sections. And uh, those lists are fun because people do take the student section uh, stuff pretty seriously. Um, So yeah, all kinds of stuff. The restaurants, I did the best restaurant thing last week. Uh, That got like 3 million views. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, all of them seem to now. It's fun. That's incredible, man. I've even heard you yeah. mention, I was listening to one of your interviews, that sometimes Oklahoma fans get fired oh, off. Yeah, o- I mean, yeah, Oklahoma fans get so, because there are so many OU fans out there that think that Brent Venables is, you know, the next Nick Saban and that OU's going to win a national championship next year. And I love the optimism, but it's just probably not going to happen. So let's just pump the brakes and, uh, but they don't like to hear that. So, you know, I'm just, I just, I say what I believe and, uh, you know, if they don't like it then that's too bad. What are your thoughts on the, the Bennett Bulls hire? I think it was a really good hire. Um, you know, he coached here for like 12 years before, um, he was an extremely successful coordinator at, uh, Clemson. I think he was a huge part of the success that Clemson had there, um, you know, he's kind of done, come in and done really all the right things. Um, he's, you know, real, a real approachable guy. Lincoln Riley was kind of closeted to himself, you know, never really talked to, went like, was against being talking to the media and kept wanting to keep everything a secret. Venables is out in the open. Um, you know, I like what I'm seeing um, on the recruiting trail. It looks like we're getting better guys defensively, but we're also not getting the studs on, you know, offense that, that, uh, you know, we're, we're used to get with Lincoln Riley. So I think it's a good hire, but, you know, we just got to see, you know, I think OU, I don't think they're the best team in the big 12 this year. I think, uh, you know, they go nine and three, maybe eight and four. Um, and the big, big 12 is one of those conferences this year where I don't think there's a true, a true favorite. I, I really don't. I mean, do you guys see a true favorite? I mean, I don't. No, we were, we talked about this a few episodes ago and it's just so hard to kind of pin down one team um yeah. you know Baylor that they, they have a new quarterback and Bohannon seemed good last year but he couldn't he couldn't finish last year yeah so is this new guy gonna do anything um Oklahoma State <laughs> you know is their quarterback situation fixed their defense they lost almost the entire defense 
can um can they rebuild that i mean those are the two teams i would watch but everyone's so high on texas and i don't get it like yeah. i don't know what they did they didn't change their head coach sarcasian i'm not sold on him as a head coach and ewers he, as great as he was as a recruit he hasn't proved anything yet so I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. No, there's always that Texas hype and they've got B. John Robinson and Xavier worthy. They'll have a good offense, but like I said, they, their defense is terrible. And I think Baylor is, has got to be the front runner. They lost their two running backs, uh, two big production guys and their two receivers, but they return almost their whole offensive line and defensive line. So when you're good and when you return a lot in the trenches, that seems to give you upside going into the next season. So that's kind of why I've got them at the top right now. But I think it's wide open. I, they could lose four games this year. So we'll see. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm excited. And, um, yeah, I mean, even Kansas. Like, I think Kansas is going to be better this year. Yeah. Their quarterback, I've, Daniels is his last name. He, he Daniels. last year. Yeah. He was, I mean, those last three or four games that he played, he looked like a real player. And Kansas hasn't had a player at quarterback since – what was that, like 2007, 2006? Yeah, it's been, yeah, over a decade. That's another thing I caught a lot of flack from your fan base uh, where I said there that uh, West Virginia is the worst team in the conference going into this season. Whew, they did not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. Um, you were talking about your head coaches. Um, you know, it kind of reminded me of the situation at WVU. Obviously, coaching – their coaching styles are different, but Dana Holgerson was exactly like how you described Lincoln Riley, you know, not real popular during his press conferences, always keeping things close to the vest. Whereas Neil Brown, um, you know, for all the things people want to knock him for, he does seem like an open book more. He, you know, shares his feelings and, and like how he feels about maybe players transferring and stuff like that. And so we do like that because even when we get frustrated with them, we still kind of like them as a person, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. No, I can definitely see that. It's just I think this year is a year that, that uh, West Virginia's got to win eight or nine games um, for the fan base to be somewhat content. But maybe that is, you know, I always – I always thought like two schools that like I see kind of similar are like Auburn and West Virginia. I think I've tweeted this before where like both coaches left and then new coaches came in and it seems like they're worse off than they, than they were, you know, before those, those guys left. Um, and I know everyone's really high on Neil Brown and, but you know, my, just my problem with it is he's an offensive guy and West Virginia's, you know, offense last year, I think they were like last and second to last in the Big 12 in points per game. I mean, Dahey was just not it. Um, you lose Letty Brown. I think you return your whole offensive line. Um, and, and, you know, also getting getting JT Daniels is huge and Graham Harrell. So I expect the offense to, to step up its production this year. But, uh, Man, I, I don't know. I just – I was expecting the offense to be a lot more productive over the last couple of years. Yeah, I think Neil Brown definitely put himself in a really bad situation by trying to call the plays, by trying to do too much. I think his recruiting has been great, but yeah. I think the product that he's put out on the field as a result of him trying to take too much control, which just doesn't work in Power 5 unless you're an elite head coach. Um, put him in a bad situation and led to loss, which then led to attrition. And we saw the 
I don't know what you want to call it, the fire that the fan base rose up around whenever we had, what, 30 players transfer in the past year. Yeah. Um, I feel like he's addressed those issues. But, you know, for me, it, it, I feel like there's ebbs and flows with Neil Brown where there's really high points where you feel great. He talks the game. He does all the development and the program building. But when it comes to, you know, the coaching, that's I'm still up in the air on that. I think he can fix it with the hires that he made, but we'll see. Yeah, no, and, and this is another thing that your fans have just been ripping me for whenever I bring up Dana Holgerson and uh, Neil Brown about, oh, well, Dana Holgerson didn't recruit. Uh, you know, Neil Brown's actually recruiting. I went and looked. So in the eight seasons that Dana Holgerson was at West Virginia, they averaged a around the low 40s in recruiting. Um, had a couple classes in the 50s, but morely in the – mid to low 30s and so uh neil brown through his four years is averaging about around the exact same so it, i mean about about 40 and a half uh recruiting uh, the average recruiting class so i know it's a small sample but it is still kind of i mean it's almost pretty close to what holerson was doing yeah um it, it seems like the class he has coming in this upcoming year is you know, so far seems pretty good. He's kind of ahead of it. So, I mean, we could drop, but as of right now, it looks like it's going to be a good class. Um, but I do give him credit. He, you know, Brandon just mentioned it. I thought it was a bad idea that he was calling plays. At least he admitted that and brought in Graham Harrell and, um, you know, basically said, I'm going to give up that duty because I, I think he was just ignoring the whole team because he was just so focused on offense and calling those plays. And as a head coach, you got to delegate a little bit. Yeah. And uh, so he brought in Graham Harrell. He brought in JT Daniels. So I do give him credit for that, but at some point it does have to result in wins, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the defense was a strength last year and you return a great defensive line that Dante Stills guy is, is a stud. Um, you mm -hmm. lost that linebacker to that transferred to Colorado. Um, and then like your whole secondary, like transfers. So, yeah. so it's like, I don't know what to expect on defense this year. Um, but I feel uh, like, We'll see. Yeah, I feel like our front seven's good. I mean, I feel like we're two or three deep right now on our defensive line, which helps out a lot, um, especially if they can generate pressure. That's going to help out our secondary a lot. But I'm with you with the the secondary. I I know the names, but I don't know how they're going to perform. And some <laughs> of them look great in the spring game, but the spring game, I mean, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But uh, the no, one thing I, I do like about our linebacking core is that we're a lot more athletic. Um, so I'm really interested to see how that plays out because I felt like our linebacker play last year was kind of subpar. Yeah, no, definitely. I remember, so I, I was at the OU West Virginia game in Norman last year, and I was sitting right on the 50-yard line, and y'all's defensive line front seven was like literally in the backfield, like almost before Spencer Rattler could even get the ball. I mean, it was, it was crazy how intense. I, I can't believe – y'all lost that game, but uh, I was really impressed with the defensive front in that game because you were just after in Spencer Rattler's face all night. Um, it was really impressive. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And Trust me, no one was more shocked hard. than <laughs> no one was more shocked than West Virginia fans that we lost that one. I well, mean, <laughs> this is a, and this is the funny story. So I'm sitting there with my dad at the game and. Y'all have that final drive, and I'm like, West Virginia, you're up, and I'm gonna. I say to my dad, I'm like. West Virginia is going to find a way to lose this game. 
And so I'll drive down the field. And then with like in the next three plays, the center snaps it over the, the uh, quarterback's head, go, like loses 30 yards. And, you know, the rest was history that, oh, you drove down and kicked the game on the field goal. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a fun game for sure. <laughs> and I feel hey, like man. we have a good defensive um, coordinator too. But, yeah, I think that I think that's going to help out a lot with, I mean, Leslie, he's been great. But I, I'm most excited for the offense. And, you know, as we kind of talked about, there's some big, big changes. And yeah. um, we want to get your thoughts on JT Daniels, if you, how you think he's going to impact things and where you rank him among other Big 12 quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I don't have the rankings right in front of me. Uh, you know, I, I think he's talented. Um, he did well, I believe, when he was at U- USC for those couple games before he got hurt uh, with Graham Harrell. Graham Harrell re- originally recruited him. That's kind of how he ended up at West Virginia. Um, he looked good at, at Georgia uh, the, the last second half of the 2020 COVID season. Um, you know, I, I just don't know um, if, if he's tough enough to make it through a whole season. Um, I've, you know, and you don't know what's true or not, but I, I heard a lot of stuff about it from Georgia because I'm from there. I've, I know a lot of people from Athens and that Kirby Smart was was not happy with uh, with JT Daniels, you know, not wanting to seem like he didn't want to play. Um, Interesting. So, and I don't know if that's true. I mean, I can't confirm that. That's just kind of the hearsay within within the Georgia fan base. But you know, he's definitely talented. Um, it's just you know, is he tough enough to you know go through a whole season? Because um, he has he has had injury issues. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, looking at his stats at Georgia, I mean, I know he started seven games. He was seven and no there, but you can't ignore the injury concerns. And with the offensive line problems that we had last year, sure, we're bringing them all five back, but did they yeah, improve? It's not, yeah, exactly. That's not always – if you bring back a bunch of guys, I mean, it's still a question mark if they weren't good last year. <laughs> right. So Yeah, the injury factor is definitely a, a fair concern. I didn't hear that about Kirby Smart. Um you know, making some negative comments about JT. Well, I don't think he, I don't think he said anything publicly. I just, this is hearsay kind of saying, Hey, you know, I heard he could have played and he, he didn't play and that's how Stetson Bennett got the job. And, and uh, I don't know. I just heard, I heard Kirby was frustrated. Um, so. I wonder if it had to do with him, uh, you know, maybe being upset that he lost his job due to injury, which always, you know, typically Possibly. causes better feelings, you know? Yeah, no, it could have been. He was like, okay, Stetson's got the job. You know, I don't want to risk myself and get hurt because I know I'm probably going to transfer next year. So who knows? I mean, I hope he comes in and, and really ramps it up for you guys and has a heck of a year. I mean, um, it's good. when I think it's good when West Virginia is competitive. Um for sure. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we bring a lot of eyeballs, so I think it's good for the conference. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Brandon, I cut you off there. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I I like the weapons that we have this year um, on offense. You know, we we bring back two pretty good receivers, I think. Um, We have some really good, highly recruited uh, running backs. I think all of them were four stars maybe when they recruited, except for Mathis. And then we also brought in the running back from from Clemson. So, again, I think like last year where we had weapons, it really hinged on the offensive line and Deggie, and they both failed. And this year, 
<laughs> we're, we're hanging our hat on the same offensive line and um, a potentially fragile quarterback. So yeah, if everything rolls right, I could see us winning, you know, eight or nine games, but it's really going to depend on the health and how Neil Brown handles the game situations, which can be questionable at times um, and how Graham Harrell impacts things, um, which I'm excited about, but um, maybe it's also because I'm a WVU homer. So from the outside looking in, what do you think of Graham Harrell as an offensive coordinator? I think he's pretty a pretty bright mind. You know, he comes from that air raid background at uh, Texas Tech. I mean, uh, very similar to Lincoln Riley's style of offense. Um, and if you get the right quarterback in there that can make reads um, and can't, you know, can, you know, not just throw to their first read, can progress and look at different reads, um, you can have a really successful offense. Um, so, I, I mean, I think JT Daniels, I think he is, I, I, he can do that. Um, he can make those throws. We've seen it. Um, it's just, we got to see it on a, cons- a consistent basis. Um, I saw him do it against poor competition, uh, you know, like beating up on a bad Kentucky team or a bad Mississippi State team. Um, and then I saw him play uh, Cincinnati in the uh, Peach Bowl that year. And, uh, you know, he just looked lost on the field. So you will see. Good, good thing for him, though, is that defenses aren't as good and stout uh, up front as in the SEC as they are in the Big 12. So we'll see. I think Harrell will have success. I, I think the numbers will definitely uh, step up this season for you guys. Yeah, I like his approach. Um, simple, effective offense where um, I'm not sure how much West Virginia you, you watched last year, but it seemed like the first one or two drives of WVU's game were fantastic. But once we got out of those scripted plays, it just seemed like there was no direction. We were trying to do three or four different styles of offense at one time. and the wheels would just fall off. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I remember just from the OU game, you, I forget the backup's name, but he came in and y'all were like running him all the time. And and then after those first couple drives, yeah, it went back to Dehe and and uh, yeah, it seemed like they couldn't find their identity. Yeah, and there was, there was a big uh, quarterback con- controversy too between Deggy and Green, who's the backup. And Green, every time he would come in, seemed like he would fumble the ball away. Yeah, and then Deggy would come in and just throw the ball in the dirt. So um, we were arguing between <laughs> two piles of dirt and which one was better. So yeah, interesting times looking back now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So John, Sorry. I saw I saw you made a uh, bowl predictor list for the upcoming football season, and I noticed WVU was off that list. Um, and even earlier in this podcast, you said they might be the worst team in the Big Twelve. So. I'm gonna go ahead and guess you're you're not predicting six or more wins for West Virginia this year. Well, let's just go down their schedule. Um, at Pitt, that's. I mean, what do you guys think about that game? It could be pretty tough. I know they lost Addison, um, but it's a rivalry game, so we'll see. Kansas, you should win that. You know, Kansas is improved. It's at home. Towson, you should win. Uh, Vatek, I think they're gonna suck this year, personally. Yeah. I'm guessing three and one at that point. That's my yeah. prediction. I think yeah, they'll so, drop either Pitt or VTech. So then, you, yeah. So then you go to Texas, uh, which I, I see that as a loss. Just um, with as good as Texas is supposed to be, um, then you play Baylor at home. Um, but you know, Baylor, I think, yeah, is out uh, yeah. at Texas Tech. Um, you know, I think Texas Tech is going to surprise some people. They got 
uh, Zach Keatley from Western Kentucky, that offensive coordinator. Um, when I don't know if you saw Western Kentucky just lit it up last year. Oh yeah, so, that's happy. Yeah, yeah. So that's, um, that's where Daggy transferred to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a he's a hilltopper now. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so that game's gonna be tough uh, going into Lubbock. Then you got to play OU. Then yeah, your your last four games are guff. You play Texas, Baylor, Texas Tech. OUK State and Oklahoma State in a row. Does that sound right? Yep. I think I mean, that's, nice. that, whew, that's a gauntlet at the end of the season. But where's – okay, that, that can't be right because where's Iowa State and TCU? No. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah, but I think it's good. I mean, I, I think West Virginia is going to be flirting around the – Five and seven, seven and five, uh, kind of record. That's kind of my prediction this early out. I would yeah. be okay if they went seven and five and then won their bowl game and sneaked to eight wins. Honestly, I think that would be pretty good for us. Cause, like you said, I mean, I was looking at the schedule about a week ago, and you're right. Like early in the season, it looks like we could have a decent record, but then that final stretch, it man. It's going to be tough because even the games you think we would win, um, you know, honestly, it's not like a slam dunk. We could easily lose a couple of those games. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Texas Tech should be a game that we win, but Neil Brown hasn't beat Texas Tech once yet already. Yeah. No, they beat you guys last year. Yeah. It's just they're in his head. So I'm really worried about that game when I really shouldn't have to be. Yeah. And yeah, that, that I, I really like Joey McGuire. Uh, that I like that hire. And then TCU with Sonny Dykes. Um, you know, we'll see how they are. I think they'll have an all right offense. Defense might not be so great. And then Iowa State, they lose a ton, but Matt Campbell just always has a tough physical team. So I don't mm-hmm. think they'll be an easy out for anybody. They may go like six and six, but we'll lose every game by like three points. Um, so. Is Duggan back at uh, TCU? Yep. Yeah, he's back. I yeah. like him. I think he'll he'll be good under Dykes. Yeah. No. He, yeah. And uh, so Lincoln Riley's brother, Garrett Riley, is the offensive coordinator for TCU. So interesting. Yeah, I didn't know be, that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, um, the offensive minds aren't genetic, and TCU's offense, you know, doesn't go off. <laughs> I don't know. They did. I mean, their offense was pretty good last year at SMU. So. Yeah, I expect the same kind of kind of production, but I don't think they're going to be too good on defense. So, not really worried about TCU. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, you know, we were going to close out talking Big 12 football, but I think we kind of touched on it earlier. It seems like it's a bit of a toss-up, and uh, I agree with you guys. I feel like Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma are the, you know, one of the three that are going to take it. To me, Texas has to prove it. They're hyped every year, and every year they're like, you know, eight or less wins. So, yeah, um, I, I think it's between those three myself. Yeah. No, and t- you know, Texas plays Alabama week two, and you know they're just going to get curb stomped. Um, yes. But, yeah, Texas has to prove it for sure. If you had to pick one team from the Big 12 to make the college football playoff this year, who would it be? Whew. See, like, I just don't know. Like, I don't see one. I mean, I, I just don't see one team that's good enough. I mean, there's just so many question marks uh, right now. 
Um, you know, maybe Texas catches lightning in a bottle with that offense and they make it. Um, but I, I guess the safe bet would be Baylor. Um, just because, like I said, they, they're solid in the trenches and are more are pretty physical. Um, but like I said, there, I, there's just there's question marks on every contender from last year. Sneaky team will be K-State. I, I think they might surprise some people and be pretty good um, with Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn in the backfield. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I, I don't think a Big 12 team gets in the playoff this year. I think it'll cannibalize itself. Yeah, I feel that way too. I think I, I agree with you. I think if there is one team, I would say Baylor too. I like Aranda a lot. I think yeah. his style really translates well between, you know, bringing in new players. And I think defensively, they're always really solid. So I could see them somehow sneaking to 10 or 11 wins. Um, and, I, you know, I didn't – I never really thought of K-State as a team that could end up being at the top. But you're right. We know with Adrian Martinez and – Deuce Vaughn, he shredded us last year. All yeah, that dude is six inches of him. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a, he's a beast. Um, yeah, he I I can't believe he's still at K State. I'm surprised like another like bigger school didn't poach him from, from like nil for nil money or something because he is he reminds me like of a mini Darren Sproles. Um, yeah, so he can bring it for sure. Um, did you bring it up on the the nil topic? Um, I know we said the last question would be about the Big Twelve, but yeah. What are your thoughts on the NIL and you know how it's affecting transfers in college football as a whole? So I'm more I'm more of a fan of NIL than I am the transfer portal. I love NIL, honestly. I mean, the pod is so big. You've got coaches making ten million dollars a year, and these players can't you know get a free tank of gas from a booster. Um, so I, I'm totally fine with it. Like I had on my show a couple nights ago, I had Logan Bonner, the starting quarterback of. Utah State and he's got like his merch that he's selling with like a logo he's made and all that stuff's great um you know where you run into the situation is just like you know with Saban and Jimbo talking about basically paying players paying recruits to come to the school that's where you know I think there needs to be some sort of guardrails set in place because I don't think that's what NIL was meant to be but that's what it's quickly quickly becoming and I'm I'm very, I don't think it's a sustainable model because I don't think these boosters have pockets of money that are just going to be there every year. Um, So we'll see. I think the market will, will settle itself out here over a couple of years. Um, But right now it's just the wild, wild west and the NCAA is nowhere to be found. (laughs) No. And that doesn't surprise me either. I mean, I feel like the NCAA does the best job in the world at doing nothing and dropping the ball every opportunity they get. So um, eventually I think things will balance out, but I feel like until, you know, the next two or three years, it's going to be a little bit of the wild west and, you know, at least a school like West Virginia size, which is honestly a smaller size school compared to a lot of the other power five teams. Yeah. We're just going to have to weather the storm because I feel like the transfer, um, I don't know what you want to call it migration that we had last year. Um, it, it may replicate for the next couple of years. Um, we just have to win, and that's the only way we can stop it from happening. Yeah, that's my my bigger issue is the transfer portal, and just uh, you know, if you if you brought back the you had to sit out a year, then we wouldn't see this massive roster turnover every single year, um, and it would also eliminate a lot of tampering and guys reaching out saying, "Hey, I'll give you three million dollars if you come over here and play on our roster." Um, I think that would eliminate that. So I think we need to 
attack the transfer portal first and then look at NIL second. Yeah, I like that. I, I definitely think players should be making money, especially, you know, selfishly for myself so they can bring back the NCAA football games. Yeah. And also because oh, yeah. they need to, yeah. you know, make some money. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I miss playing that game for sure back when I was a kid. Oh, I still play NCAA 14. I'll buy it. Yeah, when it comes out, <laughs> I, I will buy it. I may get an Xbox or a PlayStation just, just to kind of reminisce uh, for sure. <laughs> 100 percent yeah um yeah. you got anything else for john brandon no that was it yeah all right well That's hey it. john man this has been awesome uh i love talking to you you're very yeah. knowledgeable um and uh you've been very gracious for your t with your time man i would love to have you back on maybe a preview for the oklahoma west virginia yeah. game yeah let's do it uh week uh i don't i don't, I don't have ou's we played i think in november right I believe so. Right. Yeah, let's that get on. Let's, sounds yeah. Right. yeah, we can hop on the week before and kind of chat it up like this for sure. All right. Sounds great. Awesome, Looking forward man. to it, man. I love yeah. it. All right, All right dude. Well, uh, uh, Oklahoma this year. Yeah, thanks. You guys take it easy. You too. Later, John. All right. All right. See ya. Bye. All right, guys. That was Big Game Boomer, John Whitaker. Um just a very nice guy, very knowledgeable, fun. And uh, I don't know about, you know, all the listeners, but I enjoy his stuff. And uh, big credit to him. You know, I tried calling him out on the Jordan White thing, and he just owned it. He said, yeah, I probably shouldn't have put him on there. So, I mean, how can you not like this guy? What do you, What were your thoughts, Brandon? Yeah, that was great. I mean, he was a great interview. He definitely knows his stuff, um, watches a lot of college football, and, you know, definitely – He's honest, you know, he, he like you said, he owns his stuff. And um, I really like that, you know, he has really solid opinions on and everything from the NIL to Oklahoma to, you know, being honest that he's excited about going to the SEC and good reasons for it. Um, so I thought it was a great interview and I'm really looking forward to the preview that we'll have prior to the Oklahoma game. I think that will be great. And I'm really hoping coming into that game, WVU is surpassing his expectations uh, so we can have a good chat about what the game might look like. <laughs> yeah i'm really looking forward to that all right guys well thanks for listening um you know leave a comment let us know what you think about the interview let us know what you think about john um hopefully you got to know him a little better i feel like i learned a lot about him um because of this interview and i'm glad we did it so thanks for joining us and we will catch you next time let's go mountaineers yeah.